So it goes like this. About a year ago, I and the family came to Australia. And it's a lovely country, came here to live. And it reminds me of bits of the UK, and it reminds me of some very different things. But I started noticing the guy and his lawnmower. And it sort of buzzes up, or whirs up, early in the morning when you take the dog for a walk. And he's obsessed with his lawn. I'm, I'm all, kids will say, I'm all in favour of lawns. I love my lawn. But this guy will... Can you hear me? Um, Is he not? Yeah. Actually, I should have invited him. Can someone just get him over? Yeah. I tell her, he's two doors down, actually. Yeah? But, but he's mowing his lawn twice a day, three times a day. Well, it sounds obsessive, but there you have it. But it reminded me of something. It reminded me of our neighbour in England when I was growing up in the 1970s. Anecdote one. It's late winter, early spring. It's 1979, actually. So, 78, 78. And our fence has blown down in a, in a winter storm. And my father, who's by himself, he raised us by himself, um, and my two cousin brothers and myself are having a go at putting up a fence panel. I think a couple of them blown down. We come from East Africa. We'd not put up fence panels before. Yeah, we come from a background where you had people doing this for you. But coming to England, you had to learn this stuff, PDQ. So we put this up. And, and in that world, if you can kind of imagine it, there were some really good English families who we were neighbours with. It's a bit like living here, actually, Australian families. And there was a family opposite called the Pollocks, who looked after us when we lost our mother. Um, but the Andrews, who were next door, the equivalent of the guy living here, seemed to have a problem. And the problem was suddenly unveiled when we went to replace a fence panel. This is a really weird, obscure story, but it's striking that just by accidentally treading on a few flowers or bedding plants, this sort of tirade of anger, of bitterness, was unleashed upon us. It is absolutely true that all those families would have felt, to some extent, squeezed and threatened by the newcomers. We came to England with a strong work ethic, a very strong educational ethic. We were, in the language, in the jargon, of the world I come from, we were model minorities. We were determined to succeed. Actually, we did. We did a good job. But people got squeezed. People felt threatened. And I was struck by how the Pollocks took it with the grain and retained that warmth. But the Andrews, the neighbour, did not. And to see my father for the first time subject to a tirade of, frankly, racial abuse was the first time I've ever seen this. He was shocked. He didn't think the country he'd come to live in was the country that he was now being subject to in terms of, you know, denigrating who he was and what he represented. He was just a guy who came to England with his family to do well. And our greatest sin, of course, was to be different and to succeed in doing well, to play by the rules. Anecdote one, finish. I, I should move on, but there's some others, OK? Um, a second one, I think, is... Um, it's, uh, it's a year later, actually. It's in 1980. Takes us back a bit. And I'm a sixth former. Uh, in England, this is the, the last two years of, of your secondary school, so I'm about 16 or 17. And at that time, uh, teachers, like they do now, I suppose, they tend to encourage what we call civics as an education theme. You know, so children who are on their way to university discussing issues of the day to make ourselves responsible citizens. So I think on Wednesday afternoon, there would have been a kind of civics lesson taking place. And at one point, we sat around in a circle, not dissimilar to the sort of circle, the scale we've got now. Six-form kids, ready to conquer the world. And we were discussing the tricky issues of the day. Gender equality, abortion, 
immigration, you name it. These are kind of meaty issues. And we got onto the question of immigration. I remember sitting sort of almost opposite me. I'm not going to pick on you. But there was sort of the de facto um, class president or the school prefect. I'm, I'm kind of conflicted bringing up her name, but she's not here to re defend herself. But, but Nicola was her name. And she said something. And what she said was, um, look, on immigration, the problem is, you see, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in favour, I'm liberal, I'm uh, less... Li and these were the words. But aren't there too many of you? And she said this a couple of times. And, and, and some people got cross. People who looked like me were getting cross, but getting, you know, quite emotional. And then I sort of said, Nicola, all I want to know is, if there's too many then surely the right answer is to have fewer. So if we're one in five of the class at 20%, would it be better if we're one in 10, 10%? And if we're at one in 10, would you be in favor of us being one in 20? So what's the right number? Is it zero? If there's too many, there'll always be a sense of having fewer. And she didn't quite understand the irony of describing there being too many, when of course we as kids, we're surrounded by 80-90% of people who didn't look like us. We never crossed our mind that that was too many. Why would we think that? But actually, if you think about it, we could have made the same complaint. We wouldn't have dreamt of doing so. And um, I kind of called it out. And I think she sort of stopped in her tracks. And I think others were, in a sense, inspired by it. But just to have something said like that at that time made me think, too many implies let's have fewer. Well, let's have none. Let's carry on. If anyone knows England, England is not a place that has zero people that look like me. It's got a lot of people. And thank God it's been transformed and, and changed in many, many ways. But, you know, I was the guy who went against Nicola. No one went against her because hers was the conventional view. She carried a lot of people with that line of thinking. All right, so let's keep moving. Um, the third one is actually the one I feel strongest about. It comes from the heart. And um, it's 1977, so we're kicking around the 70s. And my friends and I, we must be 14 or something like that, 15. And at lunchtime, you were allowed to leave the school premises and you sort of vaguely wander the streets eating chips or whatever, yeah? Uh, it was a pretty crappy school we went to. And something happened. I think it was sort of May time, which is not unrepresentative. It sort of happened from time to time, but it's something happened that's really bad, which we, and myself and four or five other guys who looked a bit like me, 15-year-olds, were jumped on. That's the English expression. We were attacked on the street. People saw us come around the corner and said, there they are, and they used the P word. In England, the P word is packy. Right? You may have seen it in movies and stuff. And we ran for our lives. Good move. Very sensible. You want to stay alive, keep moving. But my best friend in this group of four or five of us stumbled and fell. Um, he wore glasses. His glasses hit the ground. And I'm the only one, these other guys were cowards, they ran for their lives. I'm the only one who sort of saw him and went back and grabbed him. Uh, and then we were, the two of us out of five, were attacked. Not quite to within an inch of our life, but it was pretty bad. And we gathered ourselves up, cuts, bruises, glasses gone, whatever. And we went back to our school. And um, there was a guy in my year, and I'll name him. His name is Hardy. And he was outraged. So what he did was, he said, we've got to fight back. And we didn't fight back. 
these guys I was surrounded by, uh, this is an in Indian joke, they're, they're Gujaratis, Gujus, skinny kids with glasses, vegetarians. Not like us tough Punjabi guys. We eat meat, drink alcohol. We're Punjabis. We're the loud people from India. Always with a drink in our hand. But my classmates were, were a different part of India, known for being, in the stereotype of Indians, being meeker, milder, otherwise known as being cowards. They would run from the fight. But Hardy stood there and he said, we've got to fight back. And we did. We turned around and therein the fight began. And you can see movie depictions of this today. Yeah, the Bruce Springsteen movie. Uh, you can see all these things in literature, in stories, in all sorts of narratives. But it was actually a moment in which you fought back. And you had a responsibility to fight back. So the kids often sort of, you know, bring these things up. Um, but I think that was a pivotal moment. Now, you shouldn't let the anger lead to further anger. I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe violence begets violence. I'm not, I don't believe in any of that. But if you don't stand up, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to incentivize the bully. It's going to incentivize more and more of that. And that's what really went on. I should move on. The third and last uh, one, I think, is a slightly hopeful one. We're riding on a plane back in April 2009, so it's only 10 or so, 11 years ago. Uh, we've had a sort of spring holiday in Cyprus from England. It's a charter flight, so you get s sp spread out. There's no reserve seating, so that we managed to get the kids there Rita and my aunt and my cousin are sitting somewhere else, and I'm at the back of the plane, whatever, four, three, four hour flight back to England. And um, this guy sits next to me. We started chatting, and he tells me how he loves Cyprus. He's from England, you know? And within 10 or so minutes, it's, we discover that we've grown up together. In fact, we'd been to the same school, the same school with some of these anecdotes, in fact, said. And he described endlessly how he loved Cyprus and how. He loved people who were different from him. He liked the idea that Cyprus, which is a new member of the EU then, was getting rich fast. And he was, I think, in building or something. I forget what he was in. But he was doing well for himself. He looked like a model citizen of the world. He looked great. We need people like him. And we got off the end of the plane. And sort of I, I, I kind of discovered halfway through that plane ride, I knew him better than he knew himself. His name was Lee. Um, and he beat me to within an inch of my life when we're 12 years old in the playground. He'd forgotten. Enough said.